Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to the Ascension Vortex. I'm your host and oracle, Natalie Kranja. Today's episode is especially emotional as we get the privilege of hearing Melinda's story of initiations into her mission. A big takeaway I received among many was that if something is for you, it is for you. And you can either accept it or resist it, but sooner or later, you will confront every shadow that was once keeping you away from your gifts, prosperity, and mission. Melinda is an intuitive channel healer and Akashic Record Guide. She is also a registered nurse with a master's degree in clinical nursing and leadership. Melinda guides women to heal and understand their deep-rooted patterns, embody their inherent worthiness, and reconnect to their higher self in creating limitless abundance in their lives. If you'd like to connect with her after hearing her episode, go to the links in my bio, follow her, go to her website, do all the things, and be sure to say hello. Okay. Perfect. So guys, welcome to the show. Today we have Melinda. And my first question that I want to ask to kind of just start off is what are you offering the world? Wow. So I'm offering the world. Hmm. That's a good question. (laughs) honestly I feel like you like we were saying like our channels are so bright and powerful that honestly I feel like as long as I am offering myself to myself and being in my channel and light that those codes and frequencies that emit out into the world whether I am directly influencing someone or not I am holding this frequency of allowing and giving permission for others to see their own light and their worthiness and their power. Wow. This is something that like, I absolutely love about working with someone like Melinda because it's so much less, you know, I talk a lot about like what the old paradigm Oracle old paradigm wealth old paradigm, whatever is like, and then what the new paradigm Oracle intuition business or wealth looks like. And this is a really good example of how the old paradigm way of being an intuitive an Oracle, a healer, a mystic was so much about saving the other person and what we can physically do qualities we can use what process we're taking the other person through and although those things are important like having a process or a modality that we work with it is so much about honoring our channel first and foremost and the frequency that we are in is half of the work So that when people enter a call with us, a program with us, a space with us, they are already initiating into whatever change process they need to go through because they're in the frequency of someone who is actively embodying, working, integrating, and channeling from a higher place. Mm -hmm. Actually had a message yesterday or was the night before, um, 
I was doing, I was going to do this. I did this live yesterday around inner genius. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking my husband, like, "Hmm, what is my inner genius? You know, I'm like a healer, you know, I'm a nurse, maybe an energy master. You know, I was contemplating all of these different things. And, um, I went, you know, I was going to bed meditating. And like I was telling you earlier, I kept smelling smoke and I couldn't go to sleep. Every time I was laying down to sleep, I would feel like my heart racing. Like I was feeling different. Like, so finally at midnight, I said, something is calling me up. And so I got up, went to the bathroom. And what I found was on the, our heater. So we live in an older house. The heater on the wall was on the light switch was burning. The wall was really hot. So I think one of the kids had left it on for like three hours and I was going potty and I received the message was like, this is your inner genius. And I was like, what is it? You know, in the bathroom. And they're like, it is your ability to listen and pay attention to those subtle signs. That's your inner genius is literally being your channel and letting that guide you. Wow. I absolutely love that. And what a beautiful way of like self-recognition, right? Like you being able to be like, Oh yeah, that's what that is. Um, so my, my next question for you is that as the channel that you are in the frequency that you work out of, um, what type of person do you specifically work with? Because, you know, so many of us do very, um, you could even say similar things, but we all work with such a variety of people who specifically like benefits from working with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in general, anyone that is wanting to expand, um, like expand and move past like that upper limit or like that void place and, and move and reconnect to, um, their higher level. But I feel like the person that my frequency really can transform is somebody that is a little bit, I want to say, um, already starting their spiritual journey under, they already understand the concepts. Um, and they've reached this level, I guess you would say of abundance or kind of where they're at, but even though they're there, they still feel like there's something missing in their heart. Like they've did this journey. They've done these healings. They've created a business or they have this amazing career and there's still like a void in their heart space. And they assumed that doing this healing work and doing these ceremonies and creating this life, that that was what was going to fulfill them. And so I feel like my work is there to guide them back to themselves and to remember that nothing external. And as much as I do teach the modalities and do the healing work, but really it's all about coming back to themselves and realizing that everything that they've been thinking they needed, was actually themselves, that that is the actual fulfillment. And that is the actual wealth or abundance. Oh, I love that. It's, it's especially so easy. And I've definitely fallen victim to that in the past where it's like, it's so easy, like, especially in the online space where it's always like more, 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 more. And you're constantly 
mirrored and filled with other people who are on their, you know, most abundant timeline. And so I think a lot of people will feel like, oh, I'm supposed to have what they have. I'm supposed to have what they have. And it's like this constant launch mode of like obtaining, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's a beautiful thing to be on. It's a beautiful journey. A lot of my work is like helping people, helping the oracles and the intuitives and the healers to attain wealth so that they can continue expanding in their frequency. Because I think that's really important for the right people to have money. Um, But it's never the end all be all. Like it's totally filling, you know, if you're in the journey of like, just wanting to obtain so much that to me is an indicator. It's like a symptom of like, Oh, where are you feeling, you know, empty? Um, it's kind of like I've back in DC when I worked with a lot of like people in the political demographic as their energy healer, it was like, they could have so much and still feel completely, you know, empty because they didn't have that spiritual fulfillment. So I have a question. What do you think from your experience working with these type of individuals, what are they typically, what void are they typically trying to fill? Is it like a trauma? Is it like a childhood thing? Is it a love thing? Like what are they usually trying to fill with stuff? So, so I believe since I, um, and I do the, where my container is the worthiness ritual and the, everybody experiences worthiness issues. It doesn't matter if you are a millionaire or whatever it is, or you're, you know, middle-class or whatever, everybody experiences that. And I received this container through the Akashic records and through the cosmic beings. And I actually did connect recently because I know that the worthiness really is that void right like that that's kind of what we're searching for is this worthiness that's why we're trying to create this career make money um look for external validation all of these different things comparing ourselves because there's on some level we believe that we're not worthy or we're not valuable enough. So we need more and we need to prove more. And I actually was um, meditating on this of like, why? Cause I, I understand through like the patriarchy and the different systematic structures that are set up that kind of has been programmed us to hold these beliefs within our subconscious DNA. But when I was really connecting, because I said, I want to know the core, like, where is it down to the core? And the message I received was that, you know, back our ancestry days or even our days in different past lives, when we were tribal, there were a community. And so everybody has a role in some, you know, everybody has a role. So they all belong to a community and if for say some reason they got kicked out of that community then technically you can't survive and you would be left alone and maybe eventually die and so the the records or the message I was receiving was that this void is this innate need to want to belong 
to want to be accepted and to want to be loved. Because even as, even though we come out as these pure babies, we cry because of we need, we have needs. We want to be fed. We want to be held. So even as this primal instinct of a baby, it has that need to want to be loved. And so it's kind of these, and then the conditionings of how we grow up in the system and the society, it builds and builds upon that. Wow. So this like innate desire for acceptance and for having a place within the community and mm-hmm. having, feeling like you have a purpose within the community. That's really interesting because for, I would say a lot of those who have been on this intuitive, psychic, spiritual, I, mean, I think every journey is spiritual, but let's say like quote unquote spiritual and that maybe they are more in tune with their gifts and mm-hmm. they have like an alternative way of living from the mainstream. What is interesting about this subcategory that I would include myself in as well is that the very thing that is initiating us is also making us feel like the black sheep of our family, of our community of like feeling really weird, feeling out of place, feeling, Oh my gosh, are people going to accept me now that I'm coming out as a mystic or whatever it is? Like that's huge work. Yeah. I mean, there are still layers that Mm -hmm. I go through of where I still feel it. So that's what I'm saying is everybody experiences it, but Definitely when I started coming out, I kind of had my unit, my little tribe of my family, my husband and my kids. So I had that support, but I didn't have friends or I'm a nurse. I'm from the science, the evidence base that we need to do research and we need to see it to believe it. Mm -hmm. So it was very, very uncomfortable a lot of nights crying, a lot of times starting and then quitting because I would have fear or I believe things would happen to me, you know, or I thought I was wrong. Um, So it was definitely a dark journey. (laughs) Okay. So that is a great place that I want to pivot to is like, how did you start receiving this calling? Like if you went from, you you still are a, a registered nurse. So it's like going from that evidence-based work, how did you transition into being the facilitator that you are? Like, how did you receive the calling? Um, okay. So the journey is a long, it's a long, long progressive story. Um, it started with when I had children, my mom is Apache Native American. So I grew up seeing her psychic abilities and her mother, um, but that scared me. So I shut it down when I was little, when I started having children and they were able to talk, they would tell me, God, really, you have a calling. God wants to talk. You know, they would tell me these things and they would see shadow people. So I kind of started learning, but in private, you know, it was, um, something that nobody knew that I did like a shamanic apprenticeship. I did all of the things to learn how to help my children And then I became a nurse. Um, I think it's been 11 or 12 years. And once I became a nurse, I started receiving 
feathers everywhere. I mean, everywhere in my house, in my car. I mean, places that feathers shouldn't be white feathers everywhere. I'd be in my house and there'd be a feather floating in front of me. And I remember one time my husband was like, there's a halo over your head. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like what? I was just like, I didn't understand what was happening to me. I went to work. People, people would say like, I need you to put your hands on me. And I'm like, why? And they, I would put my hands wherever they wanted me to. And I would, they would pray. I didn't pray because I was never religious. And they would be like, you healed me. And I could feel things. I just didn't understand what was happening. So I kind of went on this journey myself in private, understanding energy, understanding, learning more about like angels. And I was already doing the shamanic work. Um, I just started diving deeper and deeper. And then kind of what happened was in 2014, I delivered my third baby three months early. So they prepared us for him to die, to not be breathing. Um, and it was very traumatic. Um, and I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus and he said, it's time to pray. And I did. I, we started praying over the baby's body and I had the baby five minutes later. He was two pounds, 12 ounces. They all were new us because I was there for a week. They were prepared for what was happening. We thought he was going to die. I was angry. I was like, why did you bring me this baby? Because I kept getting, getting these messages. You're having this baby. He's special. And I was mad. And I del- I was, I didn't want to let go. I was, cl- I screamed and clenched my body so intensely. I'm going to cry. I know. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to cry. I mean, it's so <laughs> powerful. I was so, And this really is a a reflection for anyone listening because I was so afraid to let go. I was so afraid to surrender. And the thought that came to my mind is if I let go and surrender, I felt this baby. And I had no choice. I couldn't hold him any longer. I screamed. I mean, thank God for the nurses. Like I kind of, in a way I kind of do feel embarrassed sometimes to think about it because I screamed like a murder scene. And I finally just said, I have to let go. I have to let go. And my whole body relaxed. He came out in a second and he was this little tiny thing. And he screamed. He should not have, he should not have had lungs everybody in the room was screaming because nobody could believe that this baby that wasn't even seven months gestation in my stomach was screaming. And, um, they, you know, they took him off right away because he was still two pounds, 12 ounces. He had to have a little bit of oxygen. And I was left in this room, this white room all alone. And I'm in shock. Like what just happened? And I look up in the sky, like there's this white room, this this really big white room, this labor room. And there was a huge golden angel. For the first time, I saw it with my eyes open and it just dissipated like a firework, like this golden angel. And even though I, even though I knew that that was the sign of like, it's going to be okay. I still went on the journey of shock 
disassociation, guilt, shame, anger, fear. I mean, I started having hallucinations. I went on a journey. Um, It took me a year of recovery from that whole journey. And he was fine. He, everything that he went through healed. And um, I started grad school a year later. And I went to nursing grad school for nursing leadership. And there was this one class in there and it was called something um, healing environments. And in this class, it was about integrative nursing. And I was like, this is literally me. It was the healing work, the energy work, the compassion, the caring. I love this class so much. And I was, that's when I realized was, wait, maybe I don't have to hide who I am. You know, maybe I realized that the journey I went on with the children before of seeing the spirits and having to understand and going through the shamanic journey and then having this baby um, and having this new experience of this intense mental health issue. And then to find this class and this modality and this new way of seeing nursing, I, it was really amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> taking a deep breath over here. It's so as you're speaking about that process of just screaming and wanting to hold that baby in with dear life and not wanting to surrender, because what yeah. would it mean if you surrendered? What would it mean if, you know, you really allowed that process to happen? It's like I, every part of me just wanted to weep, like just weep. I mean, it is. Oh, what a beautiful, like, example of life. And and I think that's, that's why for me, it's like, I'm not a mother yet in this incarnation in this plane. But I when I hear the story of like, the, all these initiations of motherhood, I'm like, can you be any closer to God? Like, can you truly it's just so, so incredible. And I'm so grateful that your baby was is now totally thriving and healing and awesome but uh, that process of like seeing and you're hearing jesus say it's time to pray like full body chills like wow you know during throughout the whole journey jesus popped in and out so i think that's what i connected to the most um in my life and he would always say like you're a spiritual teacher, you are a guide, you're a healer. And I, I didn't want to do that. I was like, I'm a nurse. I want to focus on my kids, you know? Um, and so I would just always be like, no, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. And, you know, he did, he was patient, kept coming, kept coming. Um, and then this happened. Um, that wasn't, it really wasn't the full get going towards this direction. It was sort of the awakening part. Um, (laughs) There's more to that story. (laughs) I love your stories. (laughs) Um, I have a question. So I have a really big belief system just based on so much proof that I've experienced that um, 
we have a lot of early life events that initiate us into our path of receiving. Do you feel like you have moments in your life that were preparing you for this now experience? The, um, there's three that I can really remember. Um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear my children in the background. Oh, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was one where I remember my mom seeing spirits and being able to predict the future and it scared her. And I remember my dad would get really upset of like, don't talk like that in front of the kids because I don't want them. It's just in your head, you know? So I remember having a lot of resentment towards my mom um, because I was upset that I also felt this way, but I hit, had to hide it because that's kind of what I thought, you know, I needed to do. Um, another one, I remember my sister. So my, my sister and brother is a lot older, but there's one that's seven years older than me. And she used to write me letters and say it was from a guardian angel. And I didn't know that it was her. I really thought it was a guardian angel. And I just remember I felt loved. Yeah. I felt a lot of love, love at that time. Cause I was very lonely as a child. Um, since my sister and brothers were a lot older, my parents were pretty much working all the time. Um, my husband always says you were, that I was raised by wolves. Um, and so I met my husband when I was 13 and it sort of was like this whole new level of love that I had never experienced before. And that's kind of was my life then on. Um, so real, like there's a lot in my childhood that I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something common that I've, I've heard too, because some of the most incredibly in tune, empathic and powerful healers have experienced trauma. And so we just completely block it out. I completely get that. So did you have, you actually touched on this, um, around like that year of just like that fear coming up and the rejection of your gifts and thinking that you were totally like out of it what reluctance did you confront around accepting that you have this mission, that you are this teacher? So I always resisted the gifts. Always. I was very pissed off that I had these gifts. Um, I wanted to be normal. I remember that was by phrase. I remember going to the doctors since I was like 21. I'm like, I just want to be normal. And he was like, what does normal mean? And I'm like, I don't know, but I just want to feel normal. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel these things. And, you know, he gave me medicine to suppress me for years. Um, didn't work because I still felt and saw the things and I was very pissed. I can say angry, angry and so underlyingly punishing my body, um, resenting my body for the trauma, um, which I really relate to having premature babies because I hated my womb area so much from being traumatized. Um, so there was a lot of resistance. And I will say now, as I look back on my journey, there was so much suffering. And 
I know that there's like this thought of like, you know, we create a reality and I definitely do believe that. And so I know that if I would have maybe leaned into it a little bit more and allowed a little bit, a little bit, maybe I wouldn't have suffered so much. Um, but I'm so grateful for literally all the suffering that I did have because it's, I am who I am today because of the journey, you know? Yeah. Oh, you feel that all of the resistance that you experienced caused more suffering than had you like surrendered and not that you're regretting it, but like, is that what I'm understanding? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, because the reason I believe that is two years ago, well, okay, 2018, I was working full-time as a nurse and burned out, exhausted. I ended up getting an infection, and over a month of three months, I was on different antibiotics, and I was tired, exhausted. Um, at that time I knew I had the gifts, but I was just like, I have things to do. I can't work on that right now. You know? And again, I was resisting it. And really what, what the resistance was, I was, I was afraid to be seen because I was afraid that if I was seen, I would be killed. I would be danger in some way. And people, my nurse friends would hate me, you know? So, um, I just went to work. I did what I had to do. I did my duty. I did the heat, the wounded healer duty. Mm-hmm. I had to heal everybody else you know? And, um, so I was on these antibiotics and I end up almost dying. I, I didn't know that I had a heart irregularity and it threw my heart into a lethal rhythm. It was going like 150 to 160 beats per minute. You could see my chest coming out of my, um, I mean, you could see my heart coming out of my chest. My husband's like ready to call 911. I'm sweating. I'm ready to pass out weak, like totally symptomatic in my nurse mind. I'm like, I'm about to die. And he was like, are you having anxiety? And I'm like, no, this is real. Like, look at my heart. And so I asked him to give me two hours. I wanted to heal myself. And he was just like, I got, we have three kids. What the heck, you know, you got to go to the hospital. And I was like, I just came from this hospital. I was, um, I just had an incident at the hospital where I was, where somebody put their hand on me, like, um, a management. So I was anxious, burned out, sick, all of the things. And I was like, I can't go back to that place. And so he gave me the two hours he stayed with me. I just kind of prepared him if I passed out what to do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it was very like, he kind of knows, but so 90 minutes in, I got enough energy because it felt like I was in CrossFit, like Mm. hardcore. Okay. And, um, 90 minutes in and Jesus came again. And he said, you've been asking to go. Cause I, I was burned out, exhausted, tired, sick, anxious. And he said, I'm here, I'm here to take you. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just didn't realize. And I said, oh, like, okay. And he's like, well, you have a choice. You can come like you asked, or you're going to come back and complete your mission. And I said, like, 
well, I'm afraid to be a spiritual guide. And he said, we're guiding you. We're here. He's like, you know, you're a way shower for the people. And um, I said, okay, I'll do it. Because, you know, my husband sat in there like, what the fuck? Who are you talking to? Um, you know, and he's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And so I was like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I have kids. I'll do it. And so he left. But my heart was still going. And I was like, what the fuck? Where'd you go? And I was like, Jesus, I need help. And he said, you have been a healer and on this journey for the last, I don't even know, 10 years, whatever it was, heal yourself and left again. And so I tried, I tried, I was doing my, you know, modalities and two hours on the dot, Jesus came back. He had me do three breathing techniques and my heart went into, I felt the pitter patter and it went back to 70 beats per minute, two hours on the dot, two hours on the dot. And I told my husband, like, because he was, he has a past life issue with me um, where he was afraid of me being seen as well because Mm -hmm. of a past life Mm -hmm. situation. And I said, it's time. I have to do this now. And so he's like, okay, we'll do it. And so that was sort of like that pivot of this mission. All of these times I thought I was hearing these things. It was no longer a thought or you're crazy or you're making it up. It was like, this shit is real. Wow. Okay. So I have two things I want to follow up with. I'm sure the audience is like freaking on the edge of their shoes right now. Like who is this person? (laughs) So, okay. I have two follow-up things because I'm sure the audience wants to know this question too. But before I go there, when I'm hearing this story, first of all, it's incredible. You could write a book. The second thing is this reminds me so much of this shamanic tradition that happens in Mexico, that used to happen in Mexico, where um, one of the shamanic initiations, of course, you know, Mexico is huge, but uh, Aztec, or I believe it was Aztec um, initiation of basically digging your own grave and and sleeping in your grave with a a sensory deprivation. And... um, you come out obviously an entirely different person because you are confronting the biggest ego death, right? Like you're in darkness, you're in your own grave and very little food or water. I believe it's just water and you're confronting every shadow and fear that you could possibly summon in that darkness And it Mm -hmm. sounds like what you went through was like this ultimate test of faith. And if you, I mean, the thing about the level of healing and work that you're offering at this frequency is that it requires, this is something I, I told a lot of my practitioners that I've trained. If you don't even believe in what you're doing, the healing isn't going to happen. It's like, it's half of it is you just understanding with total faith that the healing is happening. Whether you feel the tingles in your hands, whether you have this incredible, you know, extrasensory experience or not, 
I, I know that when you just have total faith that God is working through you, you don't even need to have these incredible experiences. It's just this faith, right? But you have this experience of like, I'm literally about to die. And your experience of Jesus was heal yourself. Mm -hmm. You had to know how to go through that to hold the level of space you do for other people. Yeah. So there's more. There's more to that story. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so after that happened, I, you know, I did join like a coaching program. I started healing my body. And a couple of months later, I got pregnant again. And so I had, like I said, these premature children. I, I punished my womb for the mm. trauma I went through. I have a heart condition and I'm thir- I was 39 years old. And so the doctor was pissed. I was angry at my husband. Like, how could you do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) And to be honest, I had the fear again, you know? So here's the thing is I went back to the fear and my faith was tested. And I said, I don't think I'll survive this one. You know, we just went through this thing. Um, I might not be able to have the baby. And the doctor said, like, you're most likely going to have a um, miscarriage. So we'll just wait. Let's just wait for your miscarriage. Literally told me I'm waiting for a miscarriage. Wow. Yeah. So my husband, I was ready to get an abortion and my husband get my, my, my kids were like, my older kids were like, we're a team. We could do this together. Mom, you've done everything. Look how strong you are. Look how powerful you are. Look at the things you've gone through. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. And then I'm crying like, Oh, you know, like totally hormonal. (laughs) And my husband took me in the room and he was like, Melinda. So let me just backtrack. When we had Quentin, the one that was three months earlier, early, there was a spirit baby that would hold him. And it was a little girl and she said her name was Penny and she said she was his soulmate and he was here for a great mission, which we already knew that. So that was the messages I received from the angels. And she kept telling me, you know, five years, um, I'm going to come for him. And so I was told you I was out of it. Wasn't what's happening. So here we are. I got pregnant again. My husband's like, pep talking me, Melinda, it's Penny you have to do this. And I was like, no, it's not real. It's not real. Like, come on. I can't my body. Look what happened. I almost died. Are you prepared to be a single parent? And he was like, you teach women this work. You teach people that they can create anything that they set their mind to, that they can heal, that they are healed. And I was like, you asshole, like, how did you, how did you do this? Um, and he kept telling me, like, I've been receiving pennies. I'm receiving pennies. It's her. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I had to think about it. It took me about a week. And I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have this baby. And so I went on this journey of, like, full on doing all of my healing modalities on myself. I literally hired. I have, like, three coaches. Okay. Like I had so much support. I had so much support around me. I envisioned this process and I am not kidding you. Um, I had my first full-term baby at 39 years old. It was a girl because all my children are boys. 
Her name is Penelope, Miss Penny. And, you know, when I was pregnant, I didn't tell anybody yet. Quentin told me he was four years old. Mommy, my sweetheart's here. Don't worry. It's her. You're going to be okay. And so that kind of helped my decision. So I had her and then I almost died again. Wow. So the message was, so I, I knew this was going to happen because I already got the message and the, it was a, a black Jaguar at this time. He said, you're going to be in the hospital for three days, three or four days, but you have to be in your shamanic journey now. It's time for the shamanic journey. So it's kind of what you're talking about that it's the vision quest, I guess, in a sense. Right. And so I thought it was the the, the, um, birth because I was very, had the traumatic births. So I was very anxious and scared. And I had to, you know, even though I did the work, I was still very fearful. I was working through the perinatal, like preparing myself. Am I going to lose my my mind again? Am I going to have this baby? Um, So I had the baby fine. I was scared, you know, like all the same, all the things. And then my blood pressure went up, but the doctors wouldn't listen to me. I kept going back to the hospital. My blood pressures were high. They wouldn't listen. They said I was, I was just, I needed a rest. Um, but my blood, I didn't feel right. I knew something was wrong. And it was like the fourth day where I said, I'm not going back. They checked my liver. My liver enzymes were up. They said, it's not real. And my friend, who's a nurse that does not believe in this world, said, I don't know why I got a message for you. I don't know why it came to me, but you need to go to the hospital right now. Or you're going to die. And I remember she called the manager saying, Melinda's coming in. And so I went to the hospital and they got me in the room in five minutes. Um, I could have stroked out. My kidneys were failing. My liver was failing. My blood pressure was high. Um, they put me on this medication, uh, a higher dose of magnesium where a nurse had to watch me one-on-one. It makes your body so relaxed. You feel completely gone, but I would cry, right? Again, it was that letting go of surrendering my baby. I don't have my baby with me. I had to let go and accept help from my mom to take care of her and I saw that when I cried, my blood pressure and heart rate would go up again in my heart, right? We have to be careful for my heart. And so basically I went into a shamanic journey for three or four days. I was in meditation for that long. It was wild, wild. So I came out of that. And after I came out of that, I said, I can literally do anything I want. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What a life path you have chosen, (laughs) Melinda. (laughs) I mean, my God, like, you know, I've heard bits of this story just from us talking, but hearing it all unfolds, like, I, I think that as a listener, we could just never comprehend like the, the extremity that you had gone through of, um, this process. Okay. So my, my still what the question that I want to follow up with is how do you personally experience Jesus? How does Jesus reveal itself or himself to you? Mm. So it's a good question because it's been different ways. Um, I've seen him 
I've felt him and he, I kind of feel like I see him more, um, like a presence, but he's literally like pure love. Yeah. Pure love. Yeah. And you didn't grow up learning or like you didn't grow up Christian. I honestly, my parents said they baptized me Catholic, but every time I went to the church, I would scream. So they would call me a little demon. (laughs) (laughs) I was traumatized by that. I was like, I was afraid. Mm -hmm. I was so afraid of the church. Yeah. I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, But okay. So Jesus, when you see him in your mind's eye or in physical so I saw him one time physical. Um, and to me, like the way that I saw him, the colors that I saw him, he was like pastel, like wow. pastel. Um, and then the other times it's like in my mind's eye, it's more of like a, a knowing. I don't remember so much how I saw him when I was going to the heart thing, because I was like, you know, mm-hmm. really going through it. Um, I can't remember, but it's so funny. Cause when I was in the hospital going in the shamanic journey, one of the messages I received was from my higher self. And she said that all of these guides, because I know I've received a lot of messages from anything and everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> animals, trees, you know, cars, the house, anything that has a consciousness. And that's kind of like the shamanic work, but um, my higher self said, like, everything is filtered through me. So all of these messages are really me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I remember when I was little, I used to, I taught myself how to play the piano. And I would always sing that song, like, Jesus loves me. You know, I, that was a song that I taught myself. And so for some reason, I don't really know how or why, but he's always kind of been, Jesus has kind of just been always that thing for me. And so I think because I relate to him so much that that's maybe my main uh, filter that my higher self showed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that interpretation. Because my next question was like, who is Jesus to you, right? Like to, to some, Jesus is a savior. To some, Jesus is God. What does Jesus feel like for you? So Jesus feels like it's so funny because my son literally brought out this book, um, this Jesus, it's a, is it yoga of Jesus? I can't remember what it actually Uh it's uh called. You're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen that book in years. And then I literally just got invited to be a guest uh, speaker in Christ Codes. And so I was like, Jesus, are you talking to me again? (laughs) (laughs) Now we're talking about him again. Um, So I experienced Jesus as, first of all, love. I I know the stories of him and I really feel like he is the, let me see how to put it. Hold on. So for me, I feel like he is the representation or like reflection of myself. So although I'm not very well versed in Bible stories, but like Jesus was this, um, you know, like born in the image of God. Um, 
but Jesus also had challenges and people doubted him and um, he suffered right too because he was also human. And I feel like for me is his story of staying in his faith and his belief in his love to be loving to everybody, regardless of their background or what they are doing towards him, I guess you would say he still remained who he truly is. And for me, I feel like that is a representation of how I want to live of always staying true to me and knowing that there are times in life where, yeah, there's going to be challenges. I might suffer, you know, in some way, but the suffering happens when we resist or believe whatever it is that's coming at us. So for me, it's like he represents my choice Mm. of how I choose to um, reflect and express my love. I absolutely resonate with that interpretation because for me, you know, um, coming from a super Christian background where you learn about Jesus from a book. I didn't have the experience of Jesus necessarily. The moments I would experience Jesus was like through prayer and um, through like worship music that made me felt like the most connected, but I still didn't have like this open. I still didn't have like the, the, the level of depth that I was looking for until I was, I went to a healing retreat that was specifically around forgiving and releasing trauma. And, oh my gosh, the stories that you would hear of the trauma people were experiencing and, and, you know, just everyone just putting their shit out there on the table. I mean, it was incredible. And what you didn't know going into this retreat was that the facilitator brought in Jesus and she wanted to essentially introduce us to Jesus without the religious context and Mm -hmm. misuse of, of its name, of his name. And that was the first time, like we had done all of this NLP work and all of this releasing. And I remember she said, some of you will feel him. And there was like this beautiful um, maze. I forgot what those are called. Like, oh, like a labyrinth. A labyrinth. It was like a like a, a meditation labyrinth that you could go and walk through outside, or you could just find a piece of grass and sit down. And I just remember sitting there, and like, actually, I was I was sitting there, and then I remember like reclining, and I was laying like fully clothed on this grass, just staring at the trees that were kind of above me and looking into the sky. And all of a sudden it was like, I felt as if the sky and the tree had a form. I can't explain. It was like, it had a form and was speaking to me. And I was just crying and crying and crying as I was releasing this 
non-forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. And all this resentment that was just living in my body. Like why? Like what would my life had been like in this different timeline? If this trauma didn't happen, what would who who would Natalie be? I was so attached to like that timeline of like what was possibly robbed from me that I couldn't mm-hmm. experience in this timeline. And I just that's what I and I just remember being like like where were you? Like, where were you? Like that, like the little girl in me was just like, where? And I just felt Jesus be like, I was always there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes me totally emotional to think about. Like, feel- <laughs> it's, it was just pure love. Yeah. And that circles around to the beginning of what are humans looking for? Love. That's the void. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So beautiful. I know. <laughs> I'm really glad we're having this conversation. And I, and I, I'm so like, I can totally trust that like the right people are going to hear this and be, you know, have their life changed from, from the frequency of what we're sharing and for the invitation that they get to have um, as a result of listening to this, it's like, I'm so, gr- this is when I'm so grateful for like all of the hardship and shadows and journeys that we've gone through because it's like, it's cat- catalyzed in this beautiful crystal of wisdom now that we get to yeah. share. Yeah. So my question for you is what did you have to give yourself permission to do or be or feel in order to to be who you are now. So what yeah. was the bridge that you had to gap right there? So to be who I am today, like I said, there was a lot of fear of being killed. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was afraid of dying because I thought that if I came out with this, people would kill me. And I know that sounds like what, mm. but here's the thing is like, I, my traumas I experienced have literally been shot at and chased, you know, I've been through those situations where I could have potentially been killed. And honestly, I know that it's related to past lives. Like I said, my husband had this life with me where I was killed. Um, and so he was afraid of it. I was afraid of it. And it kind of was our story for a really long time, but then I literally almost died many times. And the last time where, you know, Jesus came and then I, I had this baby, you know, I did this thing that I never thought was possible. Right. Like there's that, the, what is that saying? Like with Jesus, with, with God, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. And then I went through that journey. And so when I came out, it was like, what do I have to fear? What am I afraid of? Who, who can kill me? Nobody could kill me. I am literally a freaking powerful spirit and energy that is indestructible. Nobody can kill me. My body can die, but my spirit is indestructible. And I thought about it with, I mean, Quentin, he always says, follow your heart. My kids Mm-hmm. follow your heart do it do it mom do it you're powerful you know I I swear I have like a, a house full of angels supporting me <laughs> you do it's I like do. you have a little council in your home <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I totally do and then my husband's just like 
do it. And so the more that I have been really coming out, it's like, oh my God, I love this and I have more energy and I'm more alive. And this is actually exciting and nothing to be, nothing to fear. And so that's, I think that that kind of was what I gave myself permission is that I already almost died. What else do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so interesting because it it's almost like you've gone through like this death and resurrection mm-hmm. with an energy body, with a light body of like, okay, when you're working, when you're doing this work, it's like, you know, you're protected. Like it's, yeah. it's there. Wow. Okay. So if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever, what would that piece of advice be? Um, 10 years ago, I would give myself, I would, the advice I would give myself is that to trust what you're feeling and hearing, because it's absolutely real. Wow. Again, faith. Mm -hmm. Melinda, where can people find you? How can people work with you? What is the best way to get in contact with you? Um, I think IG love underscore Melinda. I do have a container, the worthiness ritual, um, that's starting in a couple weeks and there's some Akashic record healing sessions available as well. So IG and the link in the bio. Yay. I'm so excited guys. Everyone, please go check her out. Go tell her hello, what you enjoyed from hearing her story. And, um, Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Melinda. Thank you for the life that you've chosen and continue to choose. And we're just so blessed to have had you on the show today. Thank you. Hi there. Just before you go, I wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you are loving the show, loving this episode, please share it with your friends, share it on your social media, on your stories. It will really help this show and our audience to grow. You can tag me at nataliegranja underscore. If you're feeling the call to work with me personally, you can find me at nataliegranja.com. During this ascension process, it is vital to surround ourselves with other high vibration beings that can propel us into our most abundant timeline. You never know what impact you can make by sharing this community with someone you know.